I was listening to a, came across a, um, I don't know what it was. It was, it was, it's, it was called mindfulness and compassion that Lung Parpasana offered a few months ago. Um, I think it was, and, and it says it's a retreat. I only got about an hour's worth of um, time to listen to it this morning, but um, it's really lovely. I wanted to start off with this little quote that he said. I don't know where he had heard this, but it was. It's, I think you'll enjoy this as well. He he talked about the teachings. Uh, the Buddhist teachings are for putting on the heart, so that when the heart opens, they just fall in. I just love that. And I I didn't catch where he picked that up. He heard it somewhere or read it somewhere and was delighted by it. And it was really lovely. I thought you might enjoy that too, that thought of uh, the Buddha's teachings are to put on the heart, you know, so that as the heart opens, they just fall in. I, I can imagine... One way I can imagine that is actually holding the teachings in the heart, you know, so that when my heart opens, whew, there they go. And he was referring this, he was talking about the teachings of mindfulness and compassion. So if you're interested in that retreat, by the way, it's called Mindfulness and Compassion Retreat <laughs> by Lung Parpasano. <laughs> And it was just given a few months ago. But anyway, he talks about mindfulness and compassion as qualities of an awakened mind. Obviously, these are big parts of the Buddhist teachings, mindfulness and compassion. And as our heart's compassion opens the heart, you know, and as our hearts open, then these teachings that we've heard that we've investigated, that we've discussed with our Kalyanamitas, that we've read about, as the heart opens, they just fall right in. Oh, that's what that meant. You know, when we experience something for the first time, we actually swim to the other side of the pool or the other side of the lake. Oh, that's what swimming is. Might not have been graceful, (laughs) but we stayed afloat. You know, that's how it all this time. That's why I had to hold, I spent all those hours clinging onto the side of the pool, kicking my feet, not going anywhere, (laughs) but you know, this, what, this isn't swimming. You know, and then sitting on the steps of and just exercising my arms. This isn't swimming. (laughs) And then going into the deep end, kicking and doing doing what I was taught to do. Oh, this is swimming. (laughs) You know, when we actually have the visceral experience in body and mind of the teachings that we've heard 
discussed and read about, then it's, oh, this is what he was talking about. This is what she was talking about. It's a lovely feeling. The heart opens, boom, teachings fall in. So Longpur also talked about how compassion is, you know, right compassion, true compassion. It allows the heart to tremble, you know, with the presence of somebody else's suffering or with our own suffering. It allows the heart to tremble without getting um caught up in the story but just oh this is this is suffering without fear oh i must get away from this without any reference to ourselves we're we're not making a self out of the experience i need to do this i need to fix this i need to change this you know it's just oh a, a lovely um example of this uh, way of being present with somebody else's suffering. Um, One of the lay ministers um, who has since passed away, one of the calm lay ministers uh, was noticing somebody sitting by themselves at a retreat and really disheartened and weeping and very quietly and in a room with a lot of people, but just off by himself. And Kondanya was his name, got up and just went over and sat by him a little bit of a distance, a few feet away, but just sat with this person. Didn't say anything to them didn't ask him what the problem was, just sat there. It was beautiful to see somebody in the presence of somebody else's suffering. You know, very empathetic and not feeling they needed to do anything other than be in the presence. You know, it takes a lot of mindfulness for us to notice when we make a self out of our suffering or somebody else's suffering. You know, it takes a lot of mindfulness to recognize, oh, this is empathy or this is pity. I need to do something about it. Or this is fear coming up for me. I got to get away from it. Or delusion. I got to deny this. It's not happening. This is just not happening. You know, or greed. I got to go find something to make myself feel good now. Don't like this feeling of misery. I'm going to go have a piece of cake. In my case, I'm going to go have some ice cream. You know, it just takes a lot of mindfulness, a lot of practice. And when we can recognize that, that, oh, okay, this is, this is, empathy. I'm feeling my heart is trembling. 
There's nothing more for me to do but be with this person suffering. You know, then it takes a degree of patience to stay with this uncomfortable feeling. And this is compassion. You know, it takes mindfulness and awareness, compassion. Ajahn Chah talks about a mind that is able to be in the presence of um, trembling without having to move. He talks about, you know, st being still being still, wide awake, present, as with whatever we're experiencing, you know, as touching into the original mind. And it's when we get caught up with our greeds and delusions and ill wills that we move away from the original mind. And it takes mindfulness to actually, you know, stay put to, to actually acknowledge what's going on. You know, not getting mad at ourselves when we notice, oh, I've gone off. And just come back, just just come back. But Alistair and I used to live over in Hawthorne area. Oh, this is the Hawthorne area. Alistair and I used to live up the street from here, 48th and Hawthorne. And we had a neighbor who had um, lived just down the street and she had a couple of kids and one of her children when he was five years old had the have fascinated with fire just really like to which a lot of young children do and was warned that this this could be dangerous please don't play with matches you know and so this went back and forth for several months and one day their house went up in flames and they uh, it took a while for them to find him because he had uh, run into a closet to hide because he felt so bad he had actually started the fire. Didn't mean to catch the house on fire, but it happened. And the house burned down to the ground. And I was really impressed by the mother who to up to this time, she didn't really impress me so much. I had built an idea of who she was and I was very impressed with her after this happened. So the little boy then developed a, a strong stutter um, and he was having a very difficult time handling his guilt around it. And I'm, for some reason I'm feeling emotional. It was really quite beautiful. And I was, um, I, had, I was passing their house and she was Stand, sitting outside just on the curb with her son, with her arm around him. And so I, I stopped because he was crying and I just sat down on the other side of him to see if there was anything I could do to help. I, didn't, I wasn't sure what was going on. 
and she was um, telling him that it was it was unfortunate uh, to have this experience, but the results is that they're getting a brand new house out of this, all new clothes. They have the neighbors came to help them. They have friends that they didn't know they had. And she had totally forgiven him. So he didn't need to stay in this place of deep guilt. The only thing that she felt that she was sorry about that, that for this happening was how much he was suffering. That was the sad part. She didn't feel he needed to suffer from guilt because they're getting a new house. They're all getting new clothes. They're all getting new toys <laughs> and they've made new friends. And his stutter actually started to go away quite quickly after that. It was just within two, three weeks. And, and this had been developing for several months, actually. And that's a, that's a, a beautiful example of somebody who, who was trembling, whose heart was trembling for her child, and yet not disturbed by his story not following his story of enormous guilt because she saw nothing for him to feel guilty about. You know, power of forgiveness, power of patience, power of compassion. I'll read this little bit from Ajahn um, Cha. You know, when I start my days, I may, I probably have said this before. <laughs> when I, I know I, I don't, I don't wake up in the morning, know what the heck I'm going to be talking about. And I have a habit of thinking I have nothing to, um, to share. I have nothing to say. And that habits here, you know, was here again this morning. And one of the things I thought of was I'm going to just take my take a book upstairs and I'm just going to thumb through it. I've never tried this before. And one day I'll probably do it. So I'll just thumb through it, open it, and I'll read something and then I'll talk from there. That would be kind of fun. So this is the little piece I came up and then I decided what I read, I, it, I got inspired. <laughs> And uh, I thought about a couple of things that Alistair and I had talked about. So I'd asked him, could you remind me about this, what, what you had said? So it all fell together. So I'll read this little piece. So this is out of his book, Being Dharma. Yeah, this is under the section of practicing Dharma. I wonder if that is the section, doesn't matter. It's page 69. And I'm going to skip a big part and just read the very last sentence as well. Lumpur Cha says, so the purpose of practice is to seek inwardly, investigating until you reach the original mind. Original mind is also known as pure mind. It is the mind without attachment. It isn't affected by mental objects that doesn't chase 
and doesn't chase after pleasant and unpleasant phenomena. Rather, it is in a state of continuous wakefulness, thoroughly aware of all of it, its experiences. When the mind is like this, it does not become anything and nothing can shake it. Why? Because there is awareness. The mind knows itself as pure. It has reached its original state of independence. This has come about through the faculty of mindfulness together with wise reflection. Seeing that all things are merely conditioned arising out of confluence of elements without, that, without any individual controlling them. In the past, because the roots of desire, aversion, and delusion already existed in the mind, whenever you caught sight of the slightest pleasant or unpleasant thing, the mind would react immediately. You would take hold of it and have to experience either happiness or suffering, and you would be constantly involved in these mental states. Through wise reflection, you can see that you are the subject to old habits and conditioning. The mind itself is actually free, but you have to suffer because you, of your attachments. That's how it is as long as the mind doesn't know itself, as long as it's not illumined, it is not free. It is influenced by whatever phenomena it experiences. In other words, it is without a refuge, unable to truly depend upon itself. In contrast to this, the original mind is beyond good and bad, but when you separate from original mind, everything becomes uncertain and there is unending birth and death, insecurity, anxiety, and hardship without any way of bringing it to cessation. Originally, if someone criticized you, you will feel upset. Accepting sense impressions without full mindfulness in this way causes an experience like being stabbed. This is clinging. Once you have been stabbed, there is becoming change, and this is the cause for birth into some future further state. But if you train yourself not to attach importance to phenomena, nothing is created in the mind. It would be like someone scolding you in a foreign language. The words would have no meaning for you, so you wouldn't absorb that information and create suffering for yourself. So keep practicing, calming the mind little by little. If you start thinking it doesn't matter, if you're not, it doesn't matter if you're not thinking, it doesn't matter, wait. So keep practicing, calming the mind little by little. If you start thinking, it doesn't matter. If you're not thinking, it doesn't matter. The important thing, the important thing is to develop this understanding of the mind. I remember, uh, I'll try to say this quickly because I see it's almost time. Um, a simile that, that um, I had read somewhere, it's either in the Pali Canon or it was in one of the Dhamma books, thousands of Dhamma books that I've read over the past, but it was about when, when the water, when a pool, when a pool of water is still, you know, you, you throw something in it, it, you know, on the surface, it will ripple. We'll have these little ripples. 
you go down deeper and it's completely cool and still. And our mind is very much like this. If somebody comes and throws something in the pool, yes, it's going to ripple. We're going to feel that in the heart. Oh. And just go down a little deeper. The majority of this water, the majority of our heart is actually calm. The original part isn't disturbed, but it actually is aware of the disturbance. Another quick thing about water that I thought was really quite beautiful. And I think this may or may not apply, but it's popped into my head is when a person comes across a large spans of water and the wind ripples it and the sun, bright sun is reflecting all these little ping, 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 you know, the person with a calm, open, awakened heart will see the beauty in this. A person mired in ill will will see it as fire. They can't see the diamonds, the beauty. They see it as disturbance. You know, that's, that's what we do. We don't recognize the beauty of the original heart when we get caught up in ill will, when we get caught up in aversion, which for me comes out of fear, when we get caught up in greed, we don't actually experience the bigger picture. We get caught up in a story that's mired in something unhealthy. And the way out of this is waking up mindfully paying attention, reflecting, am I suffering? Am I feeling the ripple? And being patient with this, with ourselves, being patient, being patient. This is an act of compassion that opens the heart and the teachings fall in.